0: hello hello welcome to the mother days podcast i am one of your hosts sarah wright olson and i'm Teresa palma and um, i am so excited to introduce all of you guys to kimberly
1: shannon murphy kimberly welcome to the show thank you so much for having me do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Think of all that cash back on those overpriced kombuchas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback?
0: Download the new Bumble now. Okay, so Kimberly Shannon Murphy. um, Kimberly is a leading Hollywood stuntwoman who served as a double for numerous A-list actresses, including Cameron Diaz, by the way. Um, you've been in like 130-something feature films and television shows, um, some of which are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Captain America, The Eternals, uh, Hunger Games, Lone Ranger. Jeez, these are crazy. Euphoria, Big Little Lies, Westworld. What? It's like everything that we watch. Um, and also, you are a two-time Screen Actors Guild Award winner for Best on Ensemble. You've had numerous award nominations And also in 2018, started working as a stunt coordinator. What's up, badass? Um, (laughs) And if that's not enough, uh, you added, what, Taekwondo? I'm sorry, you're a black belt in Taekwondo, is that correct? Yes. Right. And you also do aerial work. And oh, in my other life, but yes. In your other life, okay. <laughs> um and you're married and you have a daughter who is yeah. my son Wyatt's age, nine years old. Yeah. And one of the reasons why um we wanted to have you on is because you just wrote a book called Glimmer. Yes. And um we are so thrilled to to have you and to talk to you and to listen to your story and to, um, to share this with all of our listeners. So, um, one of the ways that we got to you thank god because i'm sure you're just like all over the place right now i see that you're doing every podcast every interview um because of your <laughs> book glimmer um is that my sister-in-law Danny and you and my husband have worked together for 10 years on NCIS Los Angeles
1: and yes.
0: Danny read your book and she was yeah. like Sarah you have to read this book <laughs> she was like It is so powerful, Um, such a book of healing and survival, and um, Kimberly is amazing, and so I really want, I feel like your audience and your platform would be like the perfect place for you guys to hold space for her and have this conversation, so um, so we are so happy to do that today. And, you know, for anybody out there who's experienced trauma, we're wanting to give you this trigger warning right now and just let you know that this subject matter is going to be intense and powerful and um, just want everybody to know that before we get into it.
1: Yeah, um, Kimberly, I'm always so moved by people who are so willing to crack open and be vulnerable and candid and talk about the adversity that they have faced in their life. I'm married to one of those people, (laughs) my husband, Mark Weber, He often talks about his past and his traumas and how they've manifested themselves in his life presently. Um, And it's one of the things I love about him so much is he's so Willing to be so raw, and it's really inspiring. And for you to have navigated all that you have and to just be so vulnerable to write it all out, to uplift other people going through really challenging and confronting times that so many people probably feel that they're stuck in a dark place and there's no hope. What propelled you? to share your story in this way?
2: Well, I've been wanting to write a book for 20 years probably now and started journaling 20 years ago and just writing things down and and just things I needed to get out. And then I wasn't in the space then that I am now and I wasn't healing back then like I am now. And also I think having a child really changed everything for me because I realized how much my trauma was going to affect her if I didn't really do the work and deal with it. And that just wasn't an option for me. And I wanted her to have a life that I never had. And I wanted her to feel all the things I never felt. And I wanted her to feel safe. And I wanted her to feel seen and heard and all of the things that I lacked as a child. And so She's a big part of why I did it. Um, I just feel like when we become parents, that it takes our life takes on a whole new meaning as far as we have to own what we've been through in our life and really look at it so that we can show up the best way possible for our
1: kids and what has the response been like? I can imagine that many other survivors have reached out to you to want to share yes. their own personal stories. How does that feel to now be someone who represents like healing and growth and now you get to create safe spaces for people all over the world to share their stories? It feels really good it, and that was part of my why as
2: well because I wanted to be able to reach people in such a way. I think that it's really easy. I shouldn't say really. nothing's really easy when you've had, as they call it, capital T trauma, but it's easier when you have the resources, when you can, you know, find a good therapist and you and you have things at your fingertips where you're able to, you know, um, go to. And I think that there's a lot of people in this world that don't have that. And so. I'm in in writing this book, my hope was to be that for those people who can't don't have that, you know, that that can't afford a three hundred dollar an hour therapist and so that they could feel seen and not alone. And, you know, the statistics of of childhood sexual abuse is, you know, 90% of children that are abused is by either a family member or somebody that the family knows and that's just an such an a, in, insane number when you think about it and i just really wanted to bring awareness to that because i think we want to live in a society where we trust everybody and we want that to be something that's realistic and it just isn't unfortunately and I wanted to bring awareness to that for parents because, you know, we could all be really guilty of that. Oh, it's uncle, whoever, you, you know, and yeah, and not really think about who we're leaving our kids with.
0: It's so true. And so true. The way that you're, um, they describe that, that you feel safe. Cause you're like, Oh, it's a person who's in my family or it's like a best friend I've had for 20 years. And You know, I've had people in my life who've experienced that kind of trauma really young and it was absolutely like a best friend who was around all the time. For anybody who doesn't know... Um, about Glimmer. Do you want to take us through a little bit of um, the story or the background of the book? I know it was structured really differently than like some books, you know, your different parts that you have and um, you have some amazing heroes in there who were champions for you as well. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about your story and your childhood and what you led you to this place? Yeah.
2: So I was abused by my mother's father. Um, And it started probably around two or three and stopped when he died when I was 11. And my Mm -hmm. mother had suffered sexual abuse at his hands as well. And she had repressed memories. And so she didn't remember anything until after he died as well. So um, we just lived in a really toxic family and it was all... Created by him, who I'm sure he was abused at some point in his life as well. Not that that's any reason to turn around and do it to anybody else, but I believe that I'm sure things happened to him and his life. And um, it's really interesting because through the through this journey, I've been able to connect with so many amazing trauma doctors that have been such a good resource for me to just understand how something like this can happen, because I think that that's a really big piece to it, too, is acknowledging that. And Dr. Matei, Dr. Gabor Matei, who's a famous trauma doctor, said to me on one of our first conversations, you know, Kimberly, the your first trauma was not actually your sexual abuse. Your first trauma was that you had no adult support in your life, because if you <sighs> did, the abuse would have never happened in the first place and that was something that i had never thought about really and you know because you don't want to put blame on anybody besides the person that was the perpetrator yeah but in fact it is the adults around you and it is the people that weren't you know obviously present either physically or emotionally or mentally in a place where they could take care of you in the way that you need to be taken care of and that's why it's so, it was so important for me to write the story because I want people to understand how important it is to deal with your trauma before you have kids, because mm-hmm. if not, it bleeds out in different ways on our children and, and on our spouses or partners or whoever we're with. And it may not be in the same form of what happened to us, but it is in some form bleeding out and That was just something that was really important for me with this book. And also, I feel like we wrote it in such, I had a ghostwriter, which was an incredible help. And we wrote it in such a way that it's not triggering. I feel like we don't go into details of what happened, but still you get the gravity of the situation without us having to really, I didn't want the people that I wrote the book for to feel like, oh my God, I can't read this. It's too much. It's yeah. too overwhelming. I wanted it to be something where people who had been through something similar felt seen and heard and understood and not like, oh gosh, I have to put this down. I can't read it because then it defeats the whole purpose of why I did it in yeah. the first place.
1: Yeah. Wow. All right. As you guys know, we are, we are busy mums. We are dog moms, business moms, performance moms, school board mums. Life gets hectic. That's why we rely on our tried and tested go-tos to alleviate some of the chaos. NerdWallet helps you by maximizing your everyday spending, whether it's groceries for the week, drinks with friends, or a nice family meal. Do you know how much cash
0: back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. I mean, come on, guys. Think of all the cash back that you're going to get on those kombuchas, on those frozen pizzas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions
1: today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cash back credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? Uh, a silent meditation retreat in Peru, a sweat lodge in India, whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions.
0: Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet finance smarter. As with all credit cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Spring is here and school is coming to a close and life could not be crazier. Um, So one of the things that has helped our family so much on those super packed weekends and weekdays with sports and school and all the things has been Green Chef. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portion and prep quality whole foods. Green Chef sends organic fresh produce, responsibly sourced protein, and chef designed recipes in every box. And for our family, we have two people who are gluten-free. So it's been amazing picking out these like gluten-free recipes with the kids. You can find clean meals to suit your lifestyle with preferences like Mediterranean, plant-based, gluten-free, protein pack, keto, calorie smart, and gut health. My kids love following along with the Green Chef recipes, pulling them out of the box, looking at the pictures, putting everything together. They put on their little aprons and we do it as a family. It's so fast. It saved us so much time. And it's been something really fun to do together and teach the kids new recipes. You guys can go to greenchef.com slash Mother Days 50 and use code Mother Days 50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Go to greenchef.com slash Mother Days 50 and use code Mother Days 50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Okay, guys, check out Green Chef, the number
1: one meal kit for eating well. All right, guys, we are a couple of tired mamas and all we do is crave a spa day and we deserve it. We always end up putting ourselves down the very bottom of our to-do list. We jump from one activity to the next and we're always meeting the needs of everyone else around us. I think it is time for a little self pampering. This Mother's Day, make every day a spa day for all the moms in your life with Osea's Mega Moisture Duo. It's a value pack of two luxurious body care moisturizers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature, uplifting, all-natural citrusy scent. Like you're just so brave to put it out there and to know that like, all right, taking this step is not just a therapeutic for yourself. It's like therapeutic for all those people reading it. And I myself know at least five people that I'm sure your book would have the kind of ripple effects that you're hoping it will, you know, helping to be a source of healing. Um, I wanted to ask you, what what was it like? Tell me about those steps to healing. Like where did it start? How did it feel initially when you had to crack open and like peel back the layers of that abuse and have to take a look at it again? How did that journey start and then how does it feel now? Because I know someone very close to me who's so afraid to Crack that part of her life open again because she's Mm -hmm. worried she'll get lost in the abyss. Yeah, Um, and so I want to hear about that. So many people
2: are say the same thing, and it's really interesting. Another thing that Gabor and I have become really good friends, and and you know I'm constantly like Gabor, and (laughs) anytime I'm struggling or having a problem, Um, and when I brought that up to him because there are people in my family that felt feel that way and have chosen to deal with their trauma in a different way, which is not at all. Um, mm-hmm. He said to me, you already survived the worst part of it, which is so true. Right. So yeah. like our child self, the person who was abused, we already went through it. So it's not even writing this book. It wasn't like I was reliving it. I never felt that way. I felt like every step that I took and. You know, I just kind of doubled up on my therapy. I started doing a lot of psychedelic work, which was huge help for me. Mm-hmm. And I think just getting a, a real support system around you of people who understand the path that you're on and really support the path that you're on. And sometimes that means that we have to shed other people in our life that sort of fit into our life when we were broken, but don't fit into our life when we're putting ourselves back together Mm. and Mm. to be okay with that. And to know that that's all part of the journey. I don't think the journey ever ends, to be honest. I, I still feel like I have days that are really hard. I still feel like I struggle a lot. I, I think it's naive to say that if you've been through something so massive that, you're not going to that just one day you wake up and you're like, I'm healed and everything's great. And I just don't think it works (laughs) like that. And that's okay. I think some days you feel like, oh my gosh, I took 10 steps backwards. And then other, other times for months, you'll feel like you've grown so much. So it's just Mm -hmm. like anything, the path is not linear and it's not the same for everybody. And everybody's healing journey is different. And everyone finds different therapies in different ways that work for them. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that and not make people feel like, okay, if you don't do it this way, then that's not the right way. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, everyone is has been dealt a different hand of cards. And we're all different people and different humans inside. And we all have to process things the way that We process them and it's different for everybody, but it's worth it. I mean, it's definitely worth it because like to speak to what you're saying is for your friend, it's going to affect her massively if she doesn't look at it in so many more ways than she even realizes, because like I said, it just comes out in different ways whether your child says something and you have a reaction that's I do a lot of IFS therapy, which is internal family systems. Oh wow. They work with like parts of you. Um Dr. Richard Schwartz started it and it's become a very famous therapy. Um and basically his belief is that when we have trauma in our childhood we get stunted in that space so if we're being abused or neglected or abandoned or we were holding guilt or shame or whatever those feelings are that that we actually get stunted in that age so when something may happen in our life where we feel abandoned or we have those feelings we actually respond from like a 7-year-old space yeah. or an 8-year-old space wow. yeah. and and that's like when they say you're being triggered. So you're responding. And then you might step back and go, Oh, my gosh, like, where did that come from? Like, yes. why did I have such a reaction? Well, it's because you have a wound that hasn't been healed. And you're literally seven, your seven year old is, is responding to that, not your adult self. And I find that work to be really helpful. And they do it all over the world. There's like a he has a ton of licensed therapists that do the work and I find wow. it to be really helpful.
0: That's amazing. Okay. So that's called IFS. So mm-hmm. you said IFS. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you were talking a little bit about your book, you mentioned that, did you say that your mom remembered or didn't remember that she, that it had happened at, until after your abuser died? Is that what you said? Yeah.
2: She had
0: repressed memories, mm-hmm. um, which is what they're called. And
2: I think because she had been abused for so many years of her life and he had such this like, he had literally groomed her and had such this control over her. She, her brain just like, she just disconnected and she still does it to this day. Like I can see when it happens to my mom and she just like leaves her body and she's just not like Mm. there. And so it wasn't until he died, I I believe because she felt safer that she was able to, tap into that space and actually remember what had happened to her.
0: And you were at that time,
2: how old were you? She had her memories like a year before I did. So I was about 14 and I had my memories when I was about 15. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. So you
1: also had repressed memory. Yes. Wow. That's crazy to think that. And how, what has that relationship been like with you and your mom processing this together, having the mutual perpetrator, has that been challenging? Because obviously, you're two individual people, you deal with things differently. Or has it been a source of comfort being able to lean on each other?
2: No, it's been really challenging. And we, the thing that I will say about my mom is that she She really listens and she really, she's done a lot of therapy and she's done a lot of work on herself and she really tries. And so, you know, we've had our ups and downs and we've been through a lot of, you know, a lot of pain through all of it. And in the beginning, it was kind of like we were all, I felt like she was sort of putting us in this space together and Mm -hmm. I had to really as I was healing and really going through this with the book, sort of say to her, you know, mom, like we're not actually on this boat together because mm. even yeah. though you're a victim and I can see that and I understand that in my head, you were still my mother who didn't protect me. Mm. So I have, I love my mother. I have a relationship with my mother. I, do, I don't forgive my parents for what happened to me. But mm-hmm. I, especially with my mother, i I have compassion for her in my heart, and I have love for her because of what she's been through. and we're able to have the hard conversations. And she is able to have them with me, which means a lot to me. She doesn't like close the door and pretend like it doesn't exist. She's very mm-hmm. open yeah. to having them, even though I know they're really difficult for her. And so it's been a you know, an ever growing sort of process. It's, it's, it's like I went through my childhood mothering my mom mm. and now we're sort of having mm. to go back and reverse that, which takes a lot of work.
1: That's a really interesting dynamic shift. I can relate only in a small way of, uh, my mom has, uh, mental health issues mm. and it was just the two of us. And she's like, got this beautiful innocence and childlike quality so a lot of the time I was like mothering the mother that was a part of you know one of my one of my wounds but sometimes like there's so much love there that you have for your parents that I think when you start the process of therapy it gets really complicated to like hold the space for both things so it's amazing that you've been able to walk that path being able to see that she herself was a victim but also the fact that she had an innate responsibility to you and to raise yes. you and to keep you safe mm. um, I wanted to shift gears into talking about your partner how has he shown up for you and what does that what does that look like? Like, how can you be a supportive and encouraging and understanding partner when you yourself haven't been through these things? Like, what would you say to people out there who have a spouse, have a partner who are deep in their healing journey?
2: I think it's it depends on the partner. My husband had a really normal life,
1: <laughs> so
2: I find it amazing that we even that I was even able to really actually accept him in my life when I was because I wasn't in the best place when we met. So the fact that he sort of stuck it out with me um, was a big deal, and so we've done therapy together, and he, I think. Communication is key. I will have moments where I still have memories and I'm still, you know, going through a lot. Still, you know, I've realized that it's actually never probably gonna end. Um, mm-hmm. it it's gotten better, but that we have to communicate on what I need. Sometimes I need him to just leave me alone and I need to be in my own space by myself and I don't want to be touched or hugged or consoled or anything and sometimes it's the opposite and so we've gotten good where he can he'll just say to me do you want me to leave the room do you want me to you know take capri out do you want do you need me here do you want a hug like you know just being able to have that communication and because sometimes when you're in that space like you don't want to be touched or you don't want to be that's like hard for me sometimes so Mm -hmm. we've done a lot of work around just being able to talk to each other. And usually I just, I'm a very, I just say one, like, please leave me alone. Or, you know, I, I actually need you. Um, mm. But he's been a, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do this book without him. He's been behind me 100%, which couldn't have been easy, because I am very candid with, you know, not only what happened to me as a child, but then I sort of, the book takes you through my twenties and all of the really, you know, bad decisions we make in our twenties, but I made worse Mm -hmm. decisions because of my past. And he was always just really accepting of me needing to tell my story and Mm -hmm. supportive of that, you know, um, there's just so much power in the truth. And I grew up, in a very secretive household where we didn't speak the truth. And that was always very confusing to me because I think part of me was just born that way where I was just like, okay, I just, I just want the truth. I just always want the truth. And that's how I I run this house with my daughter. Like everything is that we speak the truth. We tell the truth and I just wasn't brought up that way. And so it's really important to me to where I probably like overly tell the truth. He's <laughs> like, Kim, she, like oh. she's nine, Kim. I'm like, Oh yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you met your husband, Casey, um, you guys fell in love and then can you tell me about like the, you know, like, did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? Did you, did at some point when the two of you were, you were together, were you like, This is what we want. We want to have a kid together. Um, Like, was that hard? I mean, with everything that you went through, I'm sure I think that's a silly question, but, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what brought you to that journey and then how was it being pregnant and having your baby and all of those things?
2: Well, I wasn't, because I'm a stunt woman, it was one of those things where I wasn't sure that I wanted to have kids. I was just working so much that I really didn't have time to think about it, which is probably part of my, um, like, trauma. Just (laughs) really, just, like, stay busy, stay busy, so you don't have to actually think about what you're feeling. Um, And he has a daughter, so I have a stepdaughter who's older. And when we got married, we were both sort of, like, we were kind of indifferent about the whole thing. And then I was working um, on a film and one of the stunt women who was working, she was older, like older stunt woman, mom of four. And she just turned to me and said, when are you going to start having kids? And I was like, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm going to. And she's like, you better start now because it could take you two years. And and I came home that night and literally said to Casey, I think we should just try and he said, okay. And I said, he said, but if it doesn't work naturally, like I don't want to go through all the IVF, like if it's meant to be, it will be. And I, we were both kind of on the same page with that. And literally I got pregnant that night.
1: No, (laughs) oh my gosh. Oh my God! Obviously, you had a soul like knocking at the door that was just. I was just gonna say the same thing. That she was just like there, and you know what? She probably used the stunt woman friend of yours as like a conduit (laughs) to come in and be like, "Please pass on this message right now." (laughs) She's like, "I know how to get in here. I'm gonna use
2: her." Oh my God! It was crazy because I, I was on the movie when I found out I was pregnant. I was still on the same film. And I had done, oh my God, I did like 50 ratchets with, I I had no idea. I had no idea I was pregnant. And randomly, for some reason, I just felt like I should take a pregnancy test. I don't even know why I even thought I should. I wasn't even late. Anyway, said I was pregnant. And then I had bought. I, I'm like a bulk buyer, so I bought yeah. like a bunch. I had like a bunch of pregnancy tests, and mm. I just kept taking them because I'm like this. I can't. This can't. Be no up. way. That's us, yeah. by the way. We take. <laughs> yeah, so we, many.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: always take so many. And then I was like, obviously, I'm pregnant because I can't stop peeing. Oh my so god. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so I quit the job, and then that was that.
0: For anyone who doesn't oh, know what a ratchet gosh. is, can you tell us what 50 ratchets,
1: are? what is that? Yeah, I was like, are they shots? Are they, <laughs> were you like taking 50 shots? I was like, no. wait, what's it? is it some No, move? she's is it like, some like cool jumping move?
0: through some fire hoop or something. What was
2: it? No, it's when you see like an explosion in a movie and someone get yanked out of frame. Oh my that's gosh. A oh, that's
1: a ratchet. Yeah. oh Jeez. that's wild well thank god there's such tiny itty bitty little like seeds yeah. of a thing inside at that time that she probably would have just been like whatevs she oh was actually gosh. she
0: was probably holding on for dear life in there being yeah. like this Jeez. is my moment
1: <laughs> like the poppy seed being like oh it's a bit bumpy in here
2: <laughs> i was at the gynecologist at my diet you know and took the blood test and and i was like no, but I did like a lot of crazy things, and he's like, "She's fine," you know. Well, we didn't know it was a girl all the time. The baby's fine, and I said, "No, I, can I just show you the video because I feel like you need to feel it like, <laughs> here, right here." And so he watched. Oh, he's gosh. like, "Oh my god!" And he's like, "No, if if you know if if something was going to happen, it would have already happened." And and so yeah,
0: so that was oh, like a gosh. huge surprise. So that's a huge. Did you, surprise. did you go tell Casey right away, or did you? he like came home. I was still in the bathroom,
2: like taking my tests. And he said, like screamed across the house. He's like, let's go for a motorcycle ride. Like, let's get on the dirt bikes. And I'm like, (laughs) like came
1: out with like all these tests in my hand. I was like, (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to ask you a question about your daughter, Capri. Mm -hmm. So Have you been open with her about any of your experiences? I know you say that you are open, you like telling the truth. And have you in a roundabout way said anything? Obviously, probably haven't got into any sort of details, but does she know that something happened to her mom in her childhood that was hard, but doesn't know the specifics? Like, what's your plan with that, having that conversation?
2: she does know because when I was right, well, she doesn't know the specifics, um, but because I've had to sort of go like, as they call it, no contact with a lot of my family um, because Mm -hmm. they were not supportive of the book. And so I needed to take some space. And um, because of that, that was confusing because she has cousins and Mm. that, you know, um, unfortunately affected her and she was starting to be left out of things. And that was, Mm -hmm. that was really difficult for her. Um, so basically she is, because of how I raised her, she kept saying to me, mommy, well, first of all, obviously she sees me writing the book, you know, mommy, I want to know what the book's about. I want to read the book. And I said, well, Capri, it's when you're older, you can absolutely read it but if you have any questions, mommy will answer them for you. And she said, um, you know, obviously what's the book about, why am I not seeing my cousins anymore? You know, all these questions. So Casey was with me at the time. Um, and, you know, I get really choked up with her with this because it's just obviously Mm -hmm. hard and it makes me really sad that she has to even feel any of it. And, um, And he said to her, you know how mommy and daddy's number one job is to protect you? And she said, yes. And he said, well, mommy wasn't protected when she was a kid. Mm. And so Mm. she got hurt. And so she said, who hurt you? And I said, you know, she calls my mom, Mina. And I said, Mina's dad hurt mommy. And she Mm. just said, um, you know, did he hurt you with his hands or did he hurt your heart? Mm -hmm. And I just said both. And she just hugged me. And it was like a beautiful moment, honestly, of just like, of just again, how easy it is to tell the truth as long as you're doing it, obviously, in the way that they can sort of wrap their little brains around it, because obviously they can't understand like the velocity of it. And she just hugged me and she said, Mommy, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And and, you know, that was it. And we just, like, went to dinner. And mm-hmm. and so she'll, she'll ask questions now. Like, last night when I was putting her to bed, she'll ask me some, um, you know, she'll, like, bring some things up and ask some things. But um, I try to be as honest as I can without being jarring to her because it is really tricky. Yeah. And Casey's really good about, like, pulling me back because, <laughs> you know, I can like I said, could be a little bit, you know, too honest to where she can't, I want her to be able to take it in and, and hear it. And, and, and then it opens the conversation to have with her of, okay, like I grew up in a generation where it was, you know, the, what the adults say go and we don't question authority and we listen to what, you know, and so it opens the conversation where I say to her, look, Capri, People have to earn your trust just because they're your teacher or they're somebody that, you know, your coach or anybody who you're supposed to listen to. That doesn't mean that you just go in blindly trusting everybody. Like people have to earn your trust. People have to earn your love and you have to have boundaries and you have to take care of yourself. And when I talk to her about her body, we use correct body, like we use the correct terms for our body, which I think is really important because- when I was young, it was, you know, little cutesy names. And then I feel like that can be confusing because when you're teaching them that this, nobody touches you here and nobody, this, and there's a reason and this is your, you know, this is your space. And um, all of those conversations that were never had with me, Mm. I'm able to have with her. And I think that part of it is because of this. And part of it's because I have been so open and doing this has brought up things that probably would have never been brought up.
1: Mm.
0: There's this amazing um, woman, Patty Fitzgerald. And I Mm -hmm. don't know, do you know who she is? She's a, um, she was a social worker who worked in that field for like so many years. And then she started saying instead, she was going to go and talk to parents about how to teach their children to be um, the boss of their own body. And, Mm -hmm. um, to have the language to say, you know, I'm the boss of my body. No one touches my, you know, all, everything that you just said, where it's like, you're using all the correct language for your body parts. She also calls Mm -hmm. it like your bathing suit parts, you know? Um, but no one touches those except for me, you know, mommy and daddy Mm -hmm. can help you, you know, if, when you're two to go to the bathroom, but it's, you know, you, you have to be the one who's, um in charge of your own body. And so anyway, she goes around and she talks to schools and she talks to kids and she talks to parents and, um, and she came to our preschool and I remember feeling very like jarred, you know, listening to everything at first, you know, and all the stories, but I walked away from that going, okay, like it was really hard to sit and have this conversation and to listen and to go, you know, um, wow, this is something that really could happen to your child if you're not protecting yeah. your kid, because it's, you, you just, Sometimes we just don't see things because you're we grew up, you know, generational trauma. We grew up in a way where, you know, for in my family, like, you know, I was a pastor's kid. So I had to Mm -hmm. be kind to everyone and everyone wanted to hug you and everyone, and you had to hug back and you had to give kisses and like all those things. And, you know, looking back at all of that, I was like, so that was so taken advantage of as a child. Mm -hmm. And it felt, you know, not great to me all the time. And so, I never wanted my kids to feel that way. And I never wanted them to feel forced. Um, so anyway, I'm just really glad that you talked about that and how you share, how you communicate with your daughter about it, because, um, I found that language so powerful to, you know, make sure that you're communicating really clearly with your kid about, mm-hmm. um, about their body and how they, yes. they are the ones who are in charge of their body.
2: Yes, exactly. And she even the other day said something to me and, you know, mommy, I think there's some, you know, there was something going on that she was feeling. And I said, you know, do you, did you just want to tell mommy or do you want mommy to look at it? You know, I always yeah, oh, so ask her mother, like ask Asking her permission. Like, do you want me to look yeah. or did you just want to let me know? And then you can, and then she's like, no, I want you to look. So I want her even from her own mother to know that I'm asking her permission and that I'm her mom and and it's still not my right to just be like, let me see that, you know, and, and she feels safe and she feels protected. And she feels like she gets to make the choice of whether or not she wants to show me or not show me. And that that's okay. If she doesn't want to show me, even though I'm her mother.
1: Of (laughs) course. And that, you know, I find that it shifts as well. Like you see your children kind of my, well, or at least in my experience, my kids are, were so like open and running around naked all the time. And then, and then like the awareness starts to like creep in of like, oh, actually like I sh- want to be a little bit more private here. And, you know, even my six-year-old son, it's happened a bit earlier for him. Like he changes like in a room somewhere or like even away from Mark away from I like he goes away to do his and that's what he feels comfortable with and then I have my daughter who's just like we freed naked in front of everyone and <laughs> um and so it's really it's really interesting I wanted to ask you a little bit about that specifically I guess it's like two parts to the question is like I want to, if my kids are like, I want to have a sleepover and I want to like stay at my friend's house. And I think there's like a whole like wave of parents who are really wobbly about the idea of having like childhood sleepovers because mm-hmm. we get afraid that, you know, of these stories where like you think you know the parents well. And But I also at the same time, like don't want to let my own sort of fear get in the way of like, the childhood experience of having a sleepover. So sometimes I'm just in this place of like floating and not fully knowing. Do I be the parent that's like no sleepovers or not? Like how do you, how do you navigate that? And have you noticed in your own relationship with your daughter that you are more protective in terms of her having like sleep, sleepaways away from the house? She has not
2: done one yet um, like with, with a grandparent, like with my mom, she has, my mom lives close to us, but yeah, I think that that's really hard. And I, it's going to take me a minute to, I have one other mom friend who I'm close with, who I trust, but still, I don't know who else is at the house or I don't know who else goes. So I, I don't see myself allowing her to do sleepovers for a few more years. Um, Mm -hmm. And when she was really little, like before she had a voice, everything was very hard for me. Before she could like express herself to me, I was just in constant terror that something was happening or something would happen that she couldn't vocalize to me. So Mm. now I'm in a much better space just with myself that she can have a conversation with me and talk to me. And she's She hasn't asked to do a sleepover, so I have not been presented with that yet. Um, Mm -hmm. Or she'll say something. She had said something this year, like, oh, I, um, you know, so-and-so is going to have everyone sleepover. And I said, well, Capri, you still sleep with mom. So, (laughs) you know, when my husband's gone, sleeps in my bed with me. And when he's home, she sleeps in her own bed. But and she's yeah. like, oh yeah, you're. I right I slept
1: with my mom until I was thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's <laughs> so I like, just want to sleep with you. <laughs> I, about it.
2: I mean, she's not always going to want to do it, so I'm I'm embracing it. And um but that is definitely a tricky one because I even if you trust the parent, like what uncle's coming over or what who's stopping yeah. by and who's mm. you know and. You know, unfortunately, the thing about pedophiles, like people that abuse children, is that
1: they put themselves around children. I mean, that's what they do. Yeah, and I think we should feel empowered to have uncomfortable conversations. And Sarah, I think you've talked about this before on the podcast, like, you know, living in America – like having the conversation, like, Hey, um, do you guys have guns in the house anywhere? Like just having those conversations that and not worried about coming across like overbearing or like, you're not, you know, it's sort of a confronting conversation to have. And I wonder if it's similar with the sleepovers, like, Hey, I just some checking in. Like we don't, usually do sleepovers I just want to know like who's going to be at the house like who's going to be there is anyone going to be visiting Um, and having those more uncomfortable conversations I'm so used to being like <laughs> such a like people pleaser and just like really cruisy really easy my husband was like giving me shit about this yesterday like even like with people in my life, in my working life, I'm always just like, oh, whatever you want. No, seriously. Like it's up to you. <laughs> like I've not, I don't, I sometimes feel like so much more um, focused on like making them feel okay. And I, as a parent, like that's not always the best way you have to like, for me, I'm like, oh my God, I've got to like, be brave to have uncomfortable conversations sometimes. And sometimes the answer is going to be no, you're not having yeah. the sleepover at so-and-so's house. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's all that kind of tricky area that we have to navigate as parents, like making the right decisions because God forbid you make the wrong decision and it affects your child for the rest of their life. Yeah, and that's the thing. It takes one second
0: It does. to yeah. change
1: everything Go
2: to your happy price price line i think that parents are having starting to have those more difficult conversations and so that's why these conversations are so important because it makes parents more aware and i think that if you're not having those conversations then those are not the parents you want your kids to sleep over anyway do you know what i mean yeah, like if they're yeah. for sure. if they're just like yeah you can sleep over just go and there's no no communication happening um that's like a red flag
0: to me yeah a hundred percent yeah I mean also I think there's a language too that you have with your kids where you know like Esme very early on she's my middle daughter and very early on we were telling Esme because you could tell that she had like big feelings about certain people and so did Wyatt actually but um, I think it was actually from Patti Fitzgerald, but she talks about thumbs up and thumbs down people. Mm-hmm. So who gives you the thumbs mm-hmm. up feeling and who gives you a thumbs down feeling. And so it was like a great way when my kids were like, three years old to be able Mm -hmm. to communicate. If someone gave them a thumbs down feeling, you know, if you're taking them to like a daycare or preschool or they're going over for a play date and someone has a nanny or there's someone else at the house. Like if your kid is able to clearly be like, I'm having a thumbs down feeling about this, like your kid is a, a, has a great radar, you know? And right. so, and to be able to have the language to say there's been maybe three times in our experience with one of our kids where they've said, I'm I'm not having a good feeling about this person and I don't want to stay. And then I'm yeah. like, okay, great. And I'm, it's not, I didn't necessarily have that feeling. And so my kid was able to express to me because we talked about people who give you thumbs up feelings, people who give you thumbs downs and, and what that means and like defining that and Mm -hmm. making it, you know, without going into crazy details, but just, you know, you know, when you have something in your gut and you can feel something and then, you know, having a three-year-old being able to express that and, and say that to you, like, I could almost cry thinking about the, one time that my son was like, I have a thumbs down feeling. I want to mm. go. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, and yeah. like I, we left, yeah. but I left there just being like, whoa, like, what? Well, I wonder what that was. And okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we left. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm only saying this to say that like, in all of that conversation, you know, whether you decide to have your kid do a sleepover or not do a sleepover, if you're going to have those uncomfortable conversations, Um, also arming your children with like the language and the communication to be able to come to you and say, like, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. Like, I don't want to stay Mm -hmm. here, you know, and, and giving them an out. Right. And like you were saying before about
2: having to hug everybody, that was such a huge thing back then where it's like, we hug everyone. I don't, I tell Capri, if she wants to hug you, she's going to hug you. And I never, that we never say that ever. And we do have a friend of ours who I adore and he'll come over and with his son, he's always like, give Kim a hug. And I'm like, no, he doesn't have to give me a hug. Like if he (laughs) wants to give me a hug, he'll come up and give me a hug. I don't want a a child to ever feel that because it's such an, you can see that it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. You can. Because they're you're putting them on the spot. They may not know this person really well. And you're like, well, it's Uncle John. So you have to, you know, hug Uncle John or give him, and, it, you know, to just give our children the space to ha- actually listen to their feelings and their intuition and follow it. and And actually as a parent to honor them and to honor that their feeling actually matters is massive because it gives mm-hmm. them such a, Like it's going to it's going to bring their their self-respect to such a huge level as they get older.
0: Yeah. And their confidence and being able Mm -hmm. to like say because I never felt like, oh, you know, I mean, I I definitely felt empowered as a kid, but I also felt like I had to stay within a very tight, you know, line of boundary yes. of like you have to look a certain way present yourself a certain way act a certain way like you're in a, this this very religious space and mm-hmm. everyone kind to everybody like loving and accepting which <laughs> yeah. is a wonderful thing awesome. and really, but exhausting yeah. but, but also there's some people that you don't have to be like that with mm-hmm. like if someone's giving you a thumbs down feeling you don't have to go out of your way to be kind and loving and accepting to that person and go up and hug exactly. them and like, let them give you a hug. Like that's not, it shouldn't be the way that it is. And I'm glad that these conversations are happening. And I think since COVID too, which everybody knows I was the COVID crazy lady. I was the one walking around with goggles <laughs> and like the big old mask and, <laughs> and the, and for way too long, like way longer than anyone else. And than I, mean, everyone I got, else. The, Yeah, I got a massage and I was wearing children's like swimming goggles and a mask and I swear like way too long so now I sort of feel like I've crossed a line of crazy that having those uncomfortable conversations to be like yeah you know I've never really let someone take my kid home from school to their house and You know, I remember having this conversation one year where I was like, hmm, I really appreciate the offer of offering to take my child home and have a play date. and But instead, I will come, I'll meet you there, I'll come to the house, we'll have a play date, and I'll hang around or I'll go walk the neighborhood. But... The reason is that because I need to see the space and I need to like, you know, I need to make sure my son's comfortable and, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, and totally. And I just like am as clear as day as I can be about that. And there's a reason for it, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and I think it's good to to do that and to to have those conversations, because exactly what you're saying, you want your kids to feel safe. You also want them to feel like you've got their back too, <laughs> you know? No, totally. Yeah,
2: and that their feelings matter. And I, the way I put it with Capri is I talk to her about, I say, you know how you have, we all have like this light inside of us. Mm-hmm. And when you're around the right people, you feel like your light, shines brighter, like you're laughing or you're happy. And then you'll be around somebody that like dims your light. So we talk a lot about that. And I say, you want to surround yourself with the people that make your light brighter always because, Mm. and that just goes across the board in life. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it brings you into talking to them about boundaries, which is a word that I didn't learn until I was in my thirties. So it's just, it's, it's really great. I feel like that we're in this space with our children now. And by the way, we don't need, um, to feel guilty or feel anything, but just that we're being a mother, you know, and about, about asking questions or feeling like, Oh, I don't want to say that because this one might, who cares? Like, what anybody thinks. You're the one that had the, the child. They're your kid, you yeah. know, and yes, you're protecting
1: exactly. them. And that's all that matters, you know? Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this profound story. It it's just so remarkable to think that you're willing to be so open. And it's a painful thing to have to unpack, but you are changing lives everywhere. So thank you so much for your willingness to show up in that way. Um, Could you please tell our listeners where can they find your book? Yes, Um, it's called Glimmer
2: and it's on Amazon, which is the easiest thing for everyone to do. So I feel like that, I mean, you can get it in Barnes and Nobles too, but Amazon's like doot, doot, done. And then it's in your mailbox. So
0: <laughs> when you, when you order Amazing. your toothpaste, also order or yes. whatever, whatever yes. it is, yeah. click on a uh, glimmer as well yes. and put it in a bulk yes. uh, package. <laughs> and I do like the only social
2: media I really do is, um, Instagram. And I have been, I, I answer everybody's, um, like when people write me that they read the book and they talk like I I make a really a big effort to answer and communicate back because um, it means a lot to me. I, don't, You know, everyone's a stranger who's been writing me, but it means a lot to me. And I think it means a lot to them to feel like they're being when they reach out, that they're actually being heard and responded to yeah responded to yes exactly so
1: and you can find kimberly on instagram at kimberly shannon murphy stunts really short (laughs) thank you Yeah, real super (laughs) short one. And I was like, okay, if you just sort of put that in the search, it'll come up and it's got a blue tick and you'll know it's her. (laughs) I went on to your Instagram
0: and I saw, there were so many amazing things on there, but I was also listening to, which we didn't really get to in this um, talk today, but your letter from your Aunt Pat who, um, it was just so powerful. And so you guys should go on to Kimberly's Instagram and uh, listen to that as well. It's an excerpt from the book, right? Yes, yes. It's a letter
2: that she wrote the family and it's an excerpt in the book. And it's basically her telling us that if we don't break our generational trauma, that we're going to just continue it and it's going to be passed on to our children. Mm -hmm. And she's passed away a few Mm -hmm. years now, but I feel like- I'm following out her, you know, what she what she really wanted for our family.
0: So Oh, that's mm, amazing Amazing, that is, yeah, that's incredible thank you so much oh, for sharing thank, thank you, you so thank much you for being here so yeah. much I can't time. wait to tell Danny that I had you on here yes. um, oh. you guys have been listening to the Mother Days podcast you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and go get Glimmer um, thank you Kimberly we're so happy thank to you. have you. Thank and you bye daisies bye.